0: Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook now. Get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. All right, let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 verses 16 through 26, as we're going to spend our time together this morning, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. If you're new to the Bible, Galatians isn't too hard to find. Just go to the New Testament and go past the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then past the book of Acts, and then you'll come to three long letters by Paul, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then you'll find yourself in Galatians. So Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. We'll read that together in just a moment. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay, because in the seat before you, you should find a copy of the Bible. Bible down in the book rack. Take that Bible, find Galatians with us, and take that Bible home with you if you don't own a Bible. Read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship uh, with you. So I, I hope you had a good Christmas and a, and, a, and a good New Year. Most of you know that every Christmas we go to New Orleans to spend time with Stacy's parents. Because of COVID, uh, we didn't do that this year. Stacy's parents are in their mid-80s, and we just didn't feel like it was the right time to do that. So hopefully over the next month or so, as things maybe slow down a little bit we'll be able to make a trip out there and see them so we actually had christmas at home which for the this the first time in our marriage we've actually had christmas at home in 12 years i mean our our boys have never had a christmas at home it's just it's just not what we do so it was it was nice we had christmas at home went to my parents in augusta for uh, a, a couple of days came back monday and then had vacation Right here in, in the Charleston area. Did a lot of things around the house. Just spent some extra time with the boys. And on Wednesday, uh, I, I took my family to uh, Myrtle Beach. We went to Alligator Adventure. You ever been there? It's a lot of fun. They have 800 alligators. That's a lot of alligators. So if you like alligators... Go check it out. So I went to Alligator Adventure. Then after that, we went to the, one of those um, dinner shows, we went to the pirate dinner show. That was crazy wild. That was a lot of fun. And so after we left there, we made our way back to the Charleston area. And like any good father would do, I promised my boys ice cream on the way home. And so on the way home, they were asking Daddy, when are we going to stop? When are we going to stop and get ice cream? And And, and, and you know who has the best ice cream? Chick-fil-A, right? There's Chick-fil-A, it's, it's not very expensive. I mean, I like Dairy Queen, I like Sonic. I mean, but man, you go get a Blizzard from Dairy Queen. It's like. $50 for four blizzards, it's ridiculous, right? But, but you, I can get ice cream for my whole family for like five bucks at Chick-fil-A. And, so, and they have the best vanilla ice cream you'll put in your mouth. They really do. And so, so we got to Chick-fil-A in Monk's Corner, and we got in the drive-thru, and, and I, the lady asked, you know, what do you want this evening? I said, all I need is four ice cream cones. Four ice cream cones, that's, that's it. and I paid my credit card. And then I got to the window, and the young man opened the, the window up, and, and, and he handed me four cups of ice cream. To which I said, that, that's not what I ordered. I ordered four ice cream cones, because if you're going to have ice cream, it's got to be in a cone. That's just the way you do it, and so listen, you know that Chick-fil-A is a sacred place. I mean, you understand that, and, and usually when I'm at Chick-fil-A, I cannot think of a time in my life when I've been at Chick-fil-A and a negative word has come out of my mouth, right? Because it's just a place of joy and happiness and, and everything else. But, but when he handed me those four bowls of ice cream, it just welled up in me. I, I couldn't help it. I mean, I, 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 my, my words came out faster than I could think about them. And I very forcefully said to the young man, stupid COVID-19, because it's stupid. I want an ice cream cone, not a bowl of ice cream. But anyway, I tell you that story because I bet for you over this past year in 2020, as we've gone through a pandemic, there probably came some words out of your mouth as a result of the pandemic. And I I bet you over the course of 2020, this pandemic, it showed you some things about yourself that you weren't proud of. Because here's what times of difficulty do. Times of difficulty, don't they? You know this to be true. They, they tend to reveal the best of us and the worst of us. Now think about the life of our church over the, the past year. I mean, I think we've seen the best of Northwood in a lot of ways through this pandemic. The way we responded in a lot of ways to bless and minister our community in the midst of a, a crisis. I mean, that was really, really good. But I think if you're like me, as the pandemic kind of went on and on and on and on, and it's still going on and on and on and on, you kind of see the worst coming out in you as well. Attitudes that you're not really proud of. Words that you're saying that, you know, you're, you're probably not proud of. I mean, let's just be honest. It's, it's brought out some good things in us, but it's also brought out some things that we probably need to work on. And, and then on top of that, I mean, you know this, it has been the most divisive year that any of us can remember. And just the extremes in our culture and the things that we've argued over, it's been so interesting, right? I mean, this stinking mask thing. I mean, for, for some of us, and let's just be honest. I mean, let's just put our cards on the table. I mean, if, 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 you, if you wear a mask, you're putting fear over faith, right? Or if you, if you don't wear a mask, you're just a crummy person who doesn't love their neighbor. I mean, so you've got those extremes Or you think about the presidential election. You, you think about, man, if, if, you, if you vote for Donald Trump, you can't be a Christian and vote for him. The guy's wild. Or if you vote for Joe Biden, whatever his name is, you can't be a Christian either, right? I mean, right, and so you've got those extremes, and, and then now we've got a vaccine. And, and you know, just let's be honest. If you, if you get the vaccine, you're getting the mark of the beast. And if, if you don't get the vaccine, right, then you're not doing your civic duty and just all these different extremes. And, 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 and what I've seen, and, and let's be honest, you've seen this too, and you might not want to admit it, but, but let's just be honest. What I've seen in the midst of these extremes that we've been kind of talking about, seen a lot of mean people just doing a lot of mean things. Now, I expect that from the world because the world is full of mean people because there's a lot of people in the world who don't know Jesus. But we shouldn't expect that in the church. And I think what we've seen over the course of the last year, we've seen a lot of good. We've seen the church rise up. And we've seen the church honor the Lord and live on mission in the crazy time. But we've also seen the church respond in some ways that haven't been so good. We've seen fellow brothers and sisters in Christ respond in ways that have not been Christ-honoring. We've seen some meanness. We've, we've even been part of the division in some ways. And, and listen, it is okay. It is okay to have conversations. It's, okay to de- it's more than okay to debate the issues and, and all those kinds of things. It's okay to have opinions and to share those opinions. But it's not okay to not live like Jesus if you're a follower of Jesus. That's why, that's why we need to spend the first part of this year talking about what it means to live out the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the deal. Over these next couple of months, we're going to take an examination of the kind of character that God wants us to have. And this is a big deal. Because I'm convinced, and, and, and you'd probably agree with me, I'm convinced that we don't think about or talk about character enough. But there is a certain type of character that God wants us to have as followers of Jesus. He wants us to have the character of Christ himself. And I'm just telling you, if you and I would learn how to live out the character of Christ, it would change everything. It would change the way you respond to difficulties. It would change your attitude. It would change your behavior because character affects your conduct. And so so over the next few weeks, I just want to dive in into these character qualities that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5. And, 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 and I, I want us to t- take some time as a church to be, to be rather introspective, to take a deep look within us and see what's inside of us and how what's inside of us is affecting what's coming out of us. And I think that this series of messages has the potential to radically change my life And your life as well. And so look at Galatians chapter five with me. And all I want to do this morning is lay a foundation for where we're going. And and I want us to go back to the basics this morning from this passage and talk about how we grow in Christ like character. This is going to be so basic, so simple, but yet so foundational for where we're going over the next couple months. How we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. In Christ-like character. And I'm going to just simply give you this morning three ways we grow in the fruit of the Spirit in Christ-like character, okay? So take your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. When you find that, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the ring of God's word together. That's what Paul says. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery. "...hatreds, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for a new year. And in this new year, what we want to do is to focus in on what it means to follow Christ faithfully and to live out the character of Christ. Father, 2020 revealed all kinds of things about us. A lot of good and a lot of not so good. And so I pray this morning that as we listen to your word, that we would listen with hearts that desire to change, hearts that desire to live out the character of Jesus Christ himself. And so help us listen carefully this morning. We know you're speaking to us. We know that your spirit is going to convict us this morning and challenge us. And so I pray that we be ready to respond to your spirit's voice this morning in faith and obedience and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, I don't have to tell you this because you know this by experience, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, you know that you are at war. Because something happened. Something happened when you became a Christian. When you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, at that moment, you became a new creation. God placed his spirit within you, and he gave you a new life. He gave you a new nature. And because of that, you know this. You want to honor Jesus. In fact, I am sure that if we were to go around this room this morning, and I were to ask every single one of you who, who claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to honor the Lord with your life, you would say yes. If you're a Christian, There's not a Christian in this room who would say, nope, I don't want to honor Jesus. Don't care about that. No, if you're a Christian, that's who you are. That's what you desire. You want to do what God wants you to do. But there's a problem. While you have been given a new nature, while you've been given new life, you're still a fallen person. And you're still living in a fallen world. And so you know this from experience, from daily experience. There's still this temptation to give in to sin, and you still do it. We all still do it. That, that we know, we know that in this life, we will never be sinless. But what we do want to do in this life is we want to sin less. We want to grow in such a way that those things that, that, that tempt us and, and pull us into sin, that we don't struggle with those things as much as we used to. We want to learn how to sin less. Paul knew this struggle. He knew this struggle very well. I mean, if you think about top ten Christians, Paul's probably in the list, right? Right? But he knew the struggle. And then think about what he says in Romans chapter 7 verse 18. In Romans chapter 7 verse 18, Paul says this, "For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it." Paul understands the struggle, and it's the struggle that you and I experience every single day. That I want to honor the Lord, I want to do right, I want to sin less. But I just don't feel like I can do it. I don't feel like I have the ability to do it. What do I do? How do I do it? How do I grow in the fruit of the Spirit? How do I grow to sin less? Do I just try harder? Do I just get more religious? Do more religious stuff? Will that help me? Well, that was the answer for a group of people in the church at Galatia. When Paul writes this letter, and you maybe know, maybe you know this. When Paul writes this letter to the church at Galatia, it was to address a specific problem. There were a group of people in the church. We call them Judaizers. They believed in Jesus. But they believed that in order to be a good Christian, not only did you need Jesus, but you also needed some religious stuff. You needed to be circumcised and you needed to to keep the rituals and customs of the Jewish people. And so as as people who were gentiles, non-Jewish people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ, these Judaizers were saying to you, saying to them, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you believe in Jesus. That's a good start. That's that's really great. But if you really want to know God, if you really want to walk by faith, if you really want to be a good Christian and sin less, then you need to be circumcised. And you need to keep all these rituals and all these rules. And, And Paul comes along and says, wait a minute, that's not how it works. All you need is Jesus. Jesus Is the one who changes you. Jesus is the one who makes you right before God. It's by faith alone that you are safe and nothing else. But here's what happens, and this is where the letter gets so good. Here's what happens, and you know this. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God places his spirit within you. That should blow your mind, because think about it. The same spirit of God that was at work in the life of Abraham, That was at work in the life of of Moses and Elijah and David. The same Spirit of God who was at work in Christ Jesus Himself. That same Holy Spirit now lives, takes up residence, dwells in your life. That's big. So the answer then, right, the answer then is not being more religious. If I be more religious, then I would probably sin less. No, the answer is the Spirit. Because the Spirit lives in you to empower you to live the kind of life that God wants you to live. No wonder, Paul says, at the outset of this passage, walk by the Spirit. That's the answer. Do you want to grow? Do you want to live out the character of Christ? Do you want to live out the fruit of the Spirit? You walk by the Spirit. That's it. The Spirit of God that lives inside of you empowers you to live the kind of life that He wants you to live. And and so what Paul does is that he, he makes a contrast. He says, on the one hand, when you choose not to walk by the Spirit, when you choose not to live out the reality of who you are in Christ, you're going to be given over to the works of the flesh. And listen to what Paul says. I'm going to read the list again, and and we're not going to take much time to get into all this, but, but just listen. You come to verse 19, and listen to what Paul says. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Circle that word obvious in your Bible, and then he gives a list. Sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Now, here's what I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you, and Paul didn't have to tell you, that these are works of the flesh. They're obviously. They're obvious. You instinctively know that these things are against the character and nature of God. In fact, If you walk into this room this morning, I don't know, maybe you just stumbled in here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you would probably agree, even as someone who is not a follower of Jesus, that these things aren't good. In fact, if we were to take a field trip this afternoon, all of us to get in the church van, which I wouldn't advise, but we were all to get in the church van together and we were to ride to downtown Charleston and go to the park and wake up the local drunk who's sleeping on the bench and read this list to him, he'd probably say, those ain't good things because we all know, We know instinctively that these works of the flesh are contrary to who God is. Yet, you and I find ourselves giving into the works of the flesh quite often, don't we? I mean, I'm not going to go over the whole list, but think about it. Think about 2020. Outburst of anger, anyone? Right? (laughs) Envy, anyone? Strife and divisions? I mean, I think if you think back over the past year, you probably found yourself in the midst of works of the flesh, producing them, even though you know they're wrong, even though you know that they dishonor the Lord. And so Paul says here, these are obvious, but when you walk by the Spirit, when you make the choice to walk by the Spirit, something happens. When you make the choice to walk by the Spirit, the Spirit of God produces in you the fruit of the Spirit. This is good. I need you to understand a couple of things, and you probably already know this. Notice that Paul calls these character qualities the fruit of the Spirit. He, he doesn't call them the fruit of you. Makes sense? These aren't qualities that you produce in you yourself. These are qualities that the Spirit of God produces in you. And this is good news, is it not? That the Spirit of God is ultimately responsible for your spiritual growth. He's in charge of it. And when you walk by the Spirit, you will see the Spirit of God producing these character qualities within you. These character qualities are the evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. And listen to them. Love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Just like you know instinctively that division, outburst of anger, sexual morality, those things that Paul lists, just like you know instinctively that those things are against God, you also know instinctively that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and these other qualities he talks about, you know instinctively that these things honor the Lord. And so Paul is saying, listen, when you walk by the Spirit, the Spirit of God produces these things in you. And if you've ever had a fruit tree in your backyard, you know how it works. It takes time. It, it doesn't, The fruit doesn't grow overnight, but over time, as you learn how to walk by the Spirit, you will see these qualities growing within you. That make sense to you? Also notice when Paul talks about this this, these fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's a singular fruit, and that's going to make some of you upset, because some of us want to pick and choose, like, right? I mean, like the love thing, I, I, I want some of that, but that, that patience thing, I don't want that. <laughs> gentleness, nah, I don't want any gentleness, I like being gruff, you know? And so, so, so it doesn't work that way. You don't get to pick and choose. It's, it's, it's one collective fruit, if you will, that, that, that what the Spirit of God does in your life is He produces this singular fruit, all of these qualities within you as you learn to walk by the Spirit. But then the question becomes, does it not, how do I do it? Walk by the Spirit. You've said that several times, Pastor. How, how do I walk by the Spirit? How do I see this happen? Because I, I know these works of the flesh don't honor the Lord. And I, and I want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. But, but how do I do it? Let me show you. It's, it's really simple. It's just hard to do. You grow in dependency. That's what Paul's saying. Again, you, and I know you know this, it's not you. It's depending on the Spirit of God. It's, it's His fruit that He's producing in you. Our nature is independent. I I don't need anybody but myself. But you cannot grow in the character of Christ without the Spirit of God at work in you. You have to depend on Him, which requires, watch this, a humble realization. Because here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me. You don't think about this much. You perform the works of the flesh often right? You regularly engage in outbursts of anger. You regularly engage in strife and conflict. You regularly engage in whatever it is that you struggle with, but you don't think about it. I mean, when's the last time you sat down and said, you know what, I just need to go over this, this list of the works of the flesh and ask God to reveal in me which ones I'm struggling with, we just don't think about it a lot. And you probably don't think about the fruit of the Spirit a whole lot. You probably don't sit down on a regular basis and say, you know, I, I'm not doing very well in love or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or self-control. or faith. You just live life. You go about your business, doing your thing, and, and you never take the time to stop and realize that in your walk with Jesus, there are some qualities, some, some, some spirit-grown characteristics that are lacking in your life. And so for us to grow in dependency, it takes some humility. It takes us saying to ourselves, you know what? I got a problem. I'm constantly giving in to the works of the flesh, and and I don't see the growth in the fruit of the Spirit that I want to see. It's a humble realization, but then it's also a humble confession, is it not? It's just getting honest. It's getting honest before God. I'm saying, God, here's what it is. Here here are these works of the flesh that I struggle with, and here are these fruit of the Spirit that that I need to grow in, and, and I can't do it. I I can't sin less without your help. I can't become the man, the woman you want me to become without your help. It's confessing that to God. But it's also, now watch this, it's also confessing it to each other. And that's where it takes humility. Because in God's design, he chooses to grow you in his spirit by using what? The local church. Other believers. And let's be honest, you'll, you'll... maybe in a time of prayer, say to God, God, I know I need to grow in this area, help me out. But confessing to your wife or to your husband, confessing to a a Christian brother or to a Christian sister that you really struggle with loving people, you really struggle with patience, and you're struggling with outbursts of anger or sexual immorality or whatever the case may be, who wants to do that? But that's the key that's the key to growing in the spirit is being honest before God and saying God okay I've, I've got these areas I'm struggling in I, I have these fruit I need to grow in and these works of the flesh I need to get rid of and, 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 I, and I need your help and I need the help of your people confession and then think about this it's, it's just a request help me it's saying to God help me it's saying to a brother in Christ help me to a sister in Christ Man, could you hold me accountable? Could you pray with me? Could you teach me? I see you modeling patience. I don't know how to do that. Can you teach me how to do that? Help me. See, it's, it's depending on the Spirit knowing that, that ultimately the Spirit is the one who is in charge of your growth. And so you're going to depend on Him by, by realizing there, there's some areas of growth in your life, right? By confessing that to the Lord and confessing it to, to people who love Jesus along with you. And then just simply by asking for some help. And maybe the reason why you and I don't see the growth that we want to see in our lives is because we lack the humility— to come to that realization, to confess it to God and others, and to ask for the help that we need. No wonder you're stuck. No wonder I get stuck. Because we're just not willing to deal with it and be honest before God and to say, I really just need some help. I know over Christmas you did the same thing that I did, especially if you're a parent, you bought your, your kids, you bought your grandkids, you bought them a bunch of gifts and gifts. Um, Stacy picked out a couple of things for the boys, and, and she bought Luke and Hudson these, these things that they have to put together. And so Hudson brought it to me uh, the other day and said, Daddy, will you help me put this together? And so I opened the bag, and when I opened the bag, this is what all fell out. So, so the sad thing is the box says for ages six and up. I looked at that thing, like, what? I mean, I can build Legos. Legos are pretty easy. And, but, but this is just like stuff. And I didn't even do those things. I mean, Luke, Luke got the same thing. This, this is supposed to eventually be a motorcycle. Now, you tell me how that's going to be a motorcycle. But Luke got the same thing. He actually got a truck. Same thing. He opened a bag, all these pieces fell out. And, and here were the instructions. Now, watch this. Like, what, what do you do with that? Luke got the same thing. he had his put together in 15 minutes. <laughs> Here we are, three days later, and this is still what Hudson has, is this uh, thing of bolts. I tell you that to tell you this: I need help. I need one of you to volunteer to come to my house this afternoon <laughs> and help me put this thing together, because I know it, and I've, I've confessed this to you multiple times. I know what I do okay at and I know what I don't do okay at and I don't do well with putting things together. It's just not where I'm at and, and I need help with that but I'll never get the help if I don't beg you to come to my house this afternoon, right? You see what I'm saying? Is that, that, that you've got to get to a point in your walk with Jesus that you humbly acknowledge before God and before others that you need some help. That's growing in dependency. Dependency on the Spirit to do in your life what only the Spirit can do. But, but on the flip side... Not only do you need to grow in dependency, you also need to grow in responsibility. Now, several months ago, we looked at the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and maybe you remember the passage of Scripture. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul said what? Work out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That yes, yes, indeed, ultimately God is responsible for your spiritual growth. Only it's his work in you, but you have to do what? You have to cooperate with that worker. To put it in another way, you, you have to submit to the work of the Spirit. I mean, you have some responsibility. I mean, just sitting around and hoping you're going to grow isn't going to make it happen. You've got to take some responsibility. And, and Paul talks about that. Look at what he says. So he gives us this, this list of the fruit of the Spirit, and, and then you come down to verse 24. This is interesting. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, you might want to underline that phrase that in my translation says, have crucified the flesh. That's interesting. Because Paul says something similar to this, Earlier in the letter, let me show you. Go back over to Galatians chapter 2. You probably know this verse. It's very familiar. You come to Galatians chapter 2, and Paul writes this. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What's interesting about these two verses is that while they sound very similar, there's a difference. Because in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, Paul is talking about something present tense. It's active. It's a choice. The New Testament is full of this kind of language. For example, in Luke 9:23, Jesus says, "What? Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me." You. You do it. Right? Your responsibility, your response to who I am, is you take up your cross and you follow me. Or think about Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, after, after Paul talks about the glories of Christ Jesus and what he's accomplished for us through his death and resurrection, then he says, here's what you got to do. Put off the old. Put on the new. They're, they're commands, if you will a call to action in response to what Christ has done for you, here's what you do. It's present tense. Now now follow me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's past tense. That makes sense to you? That that, that 2,000 years ago, in the past, something happened. Jesus Christ, the God-man, fully God, fully man, he died on a cross for you. And when he died on a cross for you, you know what he did. He took the penalty of your sin upon himself. That's done. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will never be penalized for your sin. That's past tense. And in that moment that Christ died on the cross and then rose from the dead victoriously, the power of sin was defeated. You understand that, don't you? That sin is no longer your master. Yes, we have a tendency to give in temptation because we're a fallen people in a fallen world. But sin doesn't have to control you, does it not? You have testimony of how God has taken some of your deepest, darkest sins and he's brought you out of those things. It doesn't have to control you. You really can find victory. But here's what you also know. You live in a fallen world and you're a fallen person. And while sin doesn't control you, It's not your master. And while the penalty of your sin has been paid, sin is still present. You're still going to struggle with it as long as you live, right? And so, so, so what Paul's saying in Galatians 2 verse 20 is it's past tense. Something happened at the cross on your behalf. Christ died and rose again for you so that you could be crucified. So that thing that was killing you, sin, could be put to death. But now, Present tense, Galatians 5, verse 24, you have to daily make a decision. You have to daily make a decision to die to self. And that's the problem, right? That's your responsibility, growing responsibility. But you've got to choose to die daily. That's the responsibility. And it's hard to choose to die daily to sin when you're constantly ignoring it. And that's what we do. We, we, we look at lists like the works of flesh, and we know those things are present in our lives. We know we struggle with the outburst of anger. We know we struggle with the envy. We know we struggle with the strife. We know we struggle with these things, but we just kind of ignore it. You'll hear a message like this, and, and you'll walk away just, it was an okay message, but I ain't really doing anything with it. We just ignore. And you know why you do it? It's the same reason why I do it sometimes, is you don't take God very seriously. You don't take serious the fact that the God of all creation is a holy God who has saved you from your sin and given you new life and now expects you to grow up, now expects you to live a different kind of life. You don't take that seriously because when you begin to take stuff seriously, it changes your behavior. I think most of you in this room, if you you have a job, you take it seriously. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't have a job very long. I think most of you in this room, you take your marriage seriously. Because if you didn't, you, you probably wouldn't stay married very long. Some of you take college football seriously. I know because you're constantly talking to me about Justin Fields and how Georgia lost out. But that's another story for another day, right? We have all kinds of things we take seriously. And what you take seriously affects the way you live. For some of us, we're taking this corona thing seriously. Like, I, I mean, I, I know we got diversity of opinions, but I read on the internet, and the internet's always true. I read on the internet that one of the best things you can do for coronavirus, and, and not only coronavirus, but for the flu, the cold. Not, I know the flu doesn't exist anymore. I get that too. But, but for these sicknesses, I read that one of the best things you can do is to take vitamin C and vitamin D. Now, you know how often in my lives I've taken vitamin, in my life I've taken vitamins? Not very often. I'm not a, vi- Dude, look at me, I don't need vitamins. I'm a perfect picture of health, right? So, so anyway, so, so I chose a couple of months ago to start taking vitamin C and vitamin D on a daily basis. And so I don't know if it's helping me or not, who knows, I just read it on the internet. And because the internet's always true, I started taking vitamin C and vitamin D every single day. Why? Because I don't want to be sick. I don't want Corona. I don't want the flu. I don't want any of it. So I'm just choosing to try it out and see if it works, right? I'm taking it seriously. When you take something seriously, it affects the way you respond to it. And and maybe the reason why you ignore your sin and you don't choose to die daily to it is because you simply don't take God serious enough. Because if you did, If you took God serious, then you would understand how atrocious your sin is in his eyes, and you would understand that your sin will always hinder you from growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Choose to die daily, but also choose to live daily. What Paul is telling us here in Galatians and also in places like Ephesians chapter 4 is, you have to make the decision to put off and put on to go to war with the sin and, and daily ask God to help you overcome, to ask people around you who love Jesus and love you to help you overcome. And you have to daily choose to put something else on, to put on qualities like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and these things that Paul writes about. It's choosing life, choosing to live in light of the fruit of the Spirit. And so, so, really, it's an easy assignment for you. It's a challenging assignment, but it's an easy assignment, if that makes any sense. Probably what all of us need to do this week is just take some time to reflect, to be a little bit introspective, and to identify, not ignore, but ask the Spirit of God to help you identify those works of the flesh that are prevalent in your life that you're refusing to put to death. To ask Him to help you identify those things so that you can go to war against those things. And to ask Him to help you to identify those character qualities that through the Spirit that you lack in. So you can begin the process of asking God to help you to grow you in those areas, whether it's patience or gentleness or kindness, whatever it might be. Your homework assignment for this week is just to ask God to help you identify those things so that you will know what you need to go to war against and what you need to add to your life. That makes sense. And, and identifying those things might require some hard conversations. Some conversations with your spouse. Stacy, am I very patient? I don't want to have that conversation, be honest with you. Right? asking of your spouse or a close Christian friend to help you to identify what is it in you that needs to be put to death. And asking that, that, that spouse or that close Christian friend to help you to identify what areas of the fruit of the Spirit need the most attention right now. If, if you're not willing to do those things, you're always going to be stuck in neutral. Neutral. You follow me. It's growing in dependency, recognizing that it's a work of God, but it's also growing in responsibility. And come on now, come in real close. Listen to me carefully. Some of us in this room, if not all of us, need to grow up and take responsibility for our Christian faith. You say you're a follower, and, and, and you, you likely are, but yet you still struggle to take responsibility for your faith. It's growing in dependency. It's growing in responsibility. And finally, it's growing in the gospel. Now, this is, this is good. Me give me just a couple more minutes. Why? Why should you want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit? Why should you want to put on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self control, faithfulness, and gentleness? Why should you want to put those things on? It's a simple Sunday school answer. You ready? Jesus. That's it. Because the God of all creation loves you so much that he chose in his love instead of sending you to an eternal hell he chose to save you by sending his son Jesus who lived the life that you could not live and went to a cross and took the penalty for your sin upon himself and then rose again from the dead three days later defeating sin and death so you could be called a child of God what further motivation do you need to live how God wants you to live because when you begin to understand When you begin to understand how much you are loved and how much grace you've been shown, you can't help it. You can't help but want to honor him and to live the way that he's called you to live as an act of worship to him, as an act of devotion to him. And if you think about it, oh, this is so good. The fruit of the Spirit, these character qualities, This is who Jesus was. Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. And now watch this. Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit for you. You follow? I mean, think about it. Go back and give me just one minute, but look at this list again. Jesus is love. He loved you so much that he laid down his life for you and rose again for you. Jesus is joy. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross for you. Jesus is peace. He is the peacemaker. He came so you might have peace with God and with each other. Jesus is, oh, and aren't you glad? He is patience. He puts up with every single one of us. Kind? Oh, he's been so kind to you. He's shown you immeasurable kindness, goodness. I know 2020 was a stinky year, but, but but I bet you, if you were to think about it, every day of 2020, in some way, you experienced the goodness of Jesus Christ or, or faithfulness. I mean, think about the faithfulness of God. You often, I often turn my back on God. But he continues to faithfully pursue me even when I refuse to pursue him. Or think about this gentleness. Oh, he's so gentle. He doesn't condemn you, he embraces you. Self control. Think about temptation. Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he never gave in. Perfect self control. Jesus is the embodiment of the fruit of the Spirit. And he is the embodiment of the fruit of the Spirit for you. The reason why you are a child of God this morning is because Jesus is all of these things. And being all of these things, he, he expressed these things by going to the cross for you, dying for you in your place and rising again for you. Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. And so I think it will be wise for us to take these next nine weeks or so And look at how Jesus is the embodiment of every one of these qualities. And then ask Jesus to help us to imitate these qualities that find their embodiment in him. And I think as we end our time together, just really two things this morning. One, maybe you're here this morning and you look at this list of the works of the flesh and then you hear what Paul says at the end of verse 21, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's you. Because if you look at your life, there is no evidence at all that the Spirit of God is in you. And if you were to die today, you would be eternally separated from God because all that characterizes your life is the works of flesh. And maybe this morning for you, it's time to come to him to turn from your sin and to turn to the one who wants to change your life forever. And maybe this morning you want to believe that he died for you, rose again. And maybe this morning you want to believe that he's the Lord who wants to forgive you of your sins and give you new life. In a moment we're going to have a time invitation. And maybe this morning for the very first time you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. In the corners of this room are two crosses. And I beg you as we sing to make your way to one of these crosses. There'll be someone there who's ready to talk to you and to help you begin a relationship with Jesus. Now for the rest of us, followers of Jesus, come on. I know you're like me. You know, you know there's lots of areas you need to grow in. You read over these character qualities and and the Spirit of God is already speaking to you. He's already revealing to you some, some character qualities, love, joy, peace, whatever one it is. Some areas that you really need some radical growth in. And he's already identifying in you or helping you to identify some works of the flesh that got to go. And so here we are, beginning of a new year, and let's go ahead and put it into practice what we've talked about from the word of God this morning. It's time to get really humble. And it's time to start confessing. And maybe you just want to join me down front and begin to pray and begin to confess to God, God, these are the areas where I need help. Help me. And then take a next step Should you go home this afternoon maybe it's to your wife your husband to a close christian friend just confess over this next year will you help me will you hold me accountable because i I need a change help me but until you get humble before the lord and humble before others you're never going to experience that change so come on what's holding you back 2021 may not be any better than 2020. But you can be better as you allow the Spirit of God to work in you. So you come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time to be in your Word. Thank you for your Spirit's work in our lives this morning. As we respond to your Word, help us respond in humility. For that man, that woman, that that student, that teenager who might be here this morning who has never placed his faith or her faith in Jesus, I pray that person will come trusting you as Lord. Have your way now, I ask. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Rise to your feet. As a time invitation together, you come now as the Spirit of God leads you.